Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. This is episode two. This week, we look at another really popular question that comes in quite often, which is, it's a good one, right? What is the best diet strategy to follow for someone trying to lose weight? So we've all seen or known someone who has tried any number of the different quote unquote designer diets that are out there. And what makes it even more confusing is we've seen them be successful on it. And so naturally, because it's what's worked for them, they tout it as the best. Is that true? We we look at that from a high level and then we talk even deeper about what is the one commonality among all of these diets that really, really matters whenever you look at nutrition and trying to lose weight or any other type of a, any other type of a goal whenever it comes to nutrition. So we'll dive into that as well as look at other uh, topics. And of course, if you have any questions, please send it to info at d2pnutrition.com. If you enjoy the show, please uh, like it, leave a comment, share it with your friends, do whatever else it is that you do on podcast. Without further ado, here's episode two. All right, welcome back to Valley to Peak Nutrition podcast. This is the second of two (laughs) of two recorded so far. The first one uh, dove into fruit and not necessarily fruit, I guess, more of like sugar and added sugar. And how do you go about avoiding it? Do you even really need to avoid it? Second question, the second topic to come up is What's the best way to drop body fat? What do you think they meant by that? Because, you know, there could be a lot of different interpretations of how do you drop body fat? I think when people typically, I don't know, I guess mostly I'm talking to women that this comes up, but um, people just want to know how to get fat off. It might not be about nutrition or about a balanced diet. They just want to know how to get to a desirable weight or body, you know, shape, size, whatever. Um, so they want to do it quickly. Um, it's again, not always based on keeping balanced nutrition, but they just want, I think most of us probably have an ideal body size or fit of clothing that we want. And I think that's people's main goal and they want to do it as fast as they can. Yeah. What I, read whenever I read that like how do I lose body fat somebody is asking how do I lose weight someone's wanting to you know lose weight and figure out well what's the best strategy and even deeper than that when they ask that they're you know 90% of the time when I have conversations with people about this it's typically what diet should I follow like what blueprint what of these fad diets is really going to be the best one because they all say like they all say they work and they've all got pictures of people who have done them or it's worked and you probably know someone who's done it and it's worked. And so it, it, it does create a tremendous amount of confusion. Now, this is going to go way deeper than this, but in a very, very, very simple terms, what is the best way to drop body fat? By reducing your calories in whatever manner you can consistently reduce your calories, meaning there is none of those fad diets that is better than another. And there is none of those fad diets that are going to make you lose weight quicker than another. Now we can come back to that statement, but at the end of the day, when you put all of those diets in a pan of water, turn the pan of water on, you boil it and you boil those diets down. What's, what is at the heart of them that actually makes them work? 
they all are an easy way for the average person to consistently reduce their calories. And so they begin to see weight come down. What do you think? That makes complete sense. It's not a question. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought you had a question. So there's obviously, there's so much that uh, goes into that. But at the end of the day, like whenever, even whenever you look at this from a research standpoint, research shows that some diets cause people to lose weight faster up front. But whenever you equate two diets at the end of a year, the weight loss is the same, meaning a lower carbohydrate diet is going to cause a person to lose nutrient stores in water. So you're going to see the weight come off quicker, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's fat coming off. It means that it's just weight, right? When you jump on a scale, weight is comprised of your bones. Weight is comprised of your muscle. Weight is comprised, yes, of your body fat. Weight is comprised of your nutrient stores, your water, all of those things. So when you get on a diet and you see the scale move, it's very important that you're analyzing, okay, is this fat loss or is this water? Is this nutrients? And if the diet's too aggressive, it could potentially be nutrients, water, and muscle, which is the last thing that you want to lose. What, which ones are good to lose? I mean, I feel like it's probably common knowledge you don't want to lose muscle, right? Like how many people want to lose muscle? Fat seems to be the big, the big one. How do you know which one you're losing? And how do you, like, I would feel like some, I hear the term water weight, some water weight would be okay. Um, I feel like people often, you know, after a week, oh, I lost this many pounds in a week. It must be going well. How do you know if it's fat loss, water loss, another loss? Good question. So we have several, so every week, anybody who's working with Valley to Peak, they check in once a week. Uh, Friday, Fridays when the check-in sheet goes out, they report back on the reporting day. And, and in that, right at the beginning are several measurements. So we have people take their weight, and we also have people take their measurements at several different places. And like, I'll usually, I know that can be tedious. So I'll usually have someone, I'll give them the option, right? Like, okay, here's, here's ideal. But if you only want to do one, that's fine. If you only want to do two, that's fine. Whatever. Those are at the waist, the chest and the hips and the thighs typically. So it's not uncommon. And I'm thinking of someone right now who had been in the program almost four months and only lost five pounds, that would be defeating to anyone. But because we took these other metrics, we knew that our inches were 15 inches lost. So we knew that fat loss was happening. So you can't always trust the scale, right? And so which of the ones do you want to see lost? You want to see fat loss you will see some water loss and you might even see some nutrient loss, right? So when I say nutrient loss, that is essentially the stored carbohydrate that's in a person's muscle and the stored carbohydrate that's in the liver. Naturally, when you cut back from what your baseline intake is, you'll, you'll lose a little bit of that. And because water is drawn to that, you'll also lose a little bit of water. The idea though is to maintain as much muscle as possible while losing, while losing only fat. So a typical rate of weight loss that we aim for is anywhere between one and two pounds per week over the duration of somebody being, you know, on their program or whatever. The first time someone loses one to two pounds per week, that could have been mostly water. And then the next time, like over time, does it become more 
fat if they keep following, you know, an appropriate plan. So you'll definitely see, like, when you map these out and you put them on a chart, you will definitely see a pretty steep slope down in the beginning, meaning it's coming off really fast in the beginning. That Now, there's two things that are important to remember. One, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is no fat being lost, but it also doesn't mean that it's all fat, right? So you're traditionally seeing in those first couple of weeks, some of those glycogen stores stored former carbohydrate, some of those water stores, and some of those nutrient stores that will come down. So I think you're saying looking at, yes, look at this scale. And I feel like that's one that people have an idea of, I want to be this many pounds. And when I graduated from high school, I was this many pounds. Or when I got married, I was this many pounds and things like that. Um, and I don't know if this comment is made as a comfort to people maybe struggling, but oftentimes I hear, yeah, but muscle, muscle weighs more than fat. So that's why you're not seeing it. Is that true? And if so, is that why you're also saying to take measurements is because you can tell what you're losing. So muscle, you know, like if you were to put a pound of fat on a scale and you were to put a pound of fat, well, they would be the same, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, if you were to put yes, if you were to put a measured volume of each, then this, the weight would be more for muscle. What was the second, what was the second part of that? Uh, more. Is that why you're all saying to take measurements? Because that could tell whether it's fat coming off or muscle. I mean, it, that that could tell, but more importantly, it's because the scale, like people people take the scale and the measurements and the changes that happen on a scale as like the absolute authority. And in reality, that's the greatest variable, right? I mean, that thing's going to change and bounce all over the place every day as much as five pounds. So the reason we take, have them take measures is because we're not going to get really emotionally attached to the scale. And if the scale doesn't move, what traditionally happens is people freak out. They do something irrational, like restricting themselves even more. So then they can only adhere to that restriction so long because they get so hungry, then they binge. And it's a cycle that repeats itself, right? Like, so it's a restrict binge guilt recycle it's it's a cycle it's literally what we call it so we take the measurements more to say yeah you, you know scale didn't move but holy smokes look how many inches you lost at your waist look how many inches you lost at your thigh and it's not uncommon too like for for guys men specifically and women but what i see the most is men who start doing some kind of an activity their chest and their thighs grow and their waist and their hips shrink, right? So that would be a good indicator of, oh, you're putting on muscle in the spots that you're lifting the most and you're reducing fat at the places that are the most stubborn. So there's a lot of different reasons that we do it. And then even from a subjective standpoint, like I have a slide that I, um, like a visual that I use a lot where it says, okay, these are all of the things that can affect weight. You should also be sure that you measure and we talk about the different places we measure on the body. We talk about the weight. And then we talk about performance. Have you been able to lift more weight? Have your mile times improved? Have you been able to hike faster? You know, those type of things are also important because if you dose a nutrition plan right, a person will have plenty of um, energy for activity while still seeing some progress by way of scale or inch measurements. 
about people, and I feel like this is very common with women, but I also heard of men that um, they say, well, that's my body type or my body type, I'm always going to have thighs. My body type, I can never have a skinny waist or I have this, you know, hourglass shape or for more from men, I've heard, you know, I want to get bulky, but I have chicken legs. You know, how does that come into play? I mean, are there places on the body or certain quote unquote types of people who cannot lose fat or weight at a certain place that they'll never be, I guess what they would consider thin somewhere specific on their body? That's a good question. So people will like individually, if you were to put five, if you were to line five men or women up, genetically speaking, they're all going to have a disposition that carries weight somewhere different, right? Like, so, you know, if we lined five of of me up and, but each of those five men had five different dads, like if we're just hypothetically speaking, one guy may carry weight in his rear end, one guy may carry weight in his stomach, one guy may carry weight in his thighs, whatever. It's going to be a little more challenging for them to lose weight in that area. But this idea of, oh, well, I'm just big boned and that's why I tend to carry weight is some sort of comforting lie we've told ourselves <laughs> or we've been told. The reality is, is energy consumption versus energy expenditure, calorie intake versus calorie deficit, or I'm sorry, versus output is what drives weight, right? And so for, for me, like one, one question people will ask a lot is, well, what weight should I be? Like what, you know, what's my ideal weight? What, what should I aim for? And my answer is always the same. The BMI charts are garbage. So I wouldn't trust those. It's going to tell you that you need to be the weight that you were when you were three. So that's impossible. But I think, I think a good weight is struck when number one, you weigh something that doesn't perpetuate or cause chronic disease, chronic disease being things like heart disease or diabetes or whatever, and, or you weigh a weight that allows you to do whatever you want freely. Meaning you may have no chronic disease, but you can't keep up with your son or your daughter to go play at the park, right? Well, that means that your weight is too high and prevents your quality of life and could change. On the flip side of that, you may be able to play with your you know, play at the park with your kids until you're blue in the face, but your diabetes is out of control. Well, that means that we probably need to do something to bring your weight down a little bit to control the chronic disease. So I think it, you know, this ideal body weight is somewhat subjective because, you know, people always want to get leaner and leaner and leaner and leaner. And in reality, like there's nothing that says once you're able to do things you love, prevent chronic disease. There's nothing that says a weight way lower than that serves you any purpose. So I think that ideal body weight is to some degree subjective and dependent on the person, the type of life they want to live. You said that BMI charts are garbage. It's a little bit of strong language, <laughs> especially because so many doctors use them. I think I know what you mean. Um, I went into an appointment and they said, oh, you're your BMI. I checked your BMI. Great. At the time I was thin. I said, you know, they said, Oh, you're thin, healthy as can be. But I had at the time, very high cholesterol. And what's the A1C? Yeah. A1C was super high. So in truth that that wasn't true. Um, 
what part of them is actual trash and what part is a good gauge? I guess something to at least keep in mind. So the garbage part is so several scenarios. If you have a guy, if you have, if you have a man or a woman even, right. If you have someone who comes in and let's say they are actively lifting weights, right. They are trying to put on muscle. They're more of a muscular person. The BMI chart is going to call this person obese, which gets documented in your medical chart as being, you know, a BMI of obesity kicks in at a BMI of 30.0 and up. And then they start to class it between classes one, two, and three with class three being morbid obesity. So if you have a person who is naturally bigger because they train with weights and be, you know, but is healthy otherwise, especially from blood work and that BMI chart calls them obese, that's garbage. On the flip side, if you have a provider this is probably going to really ruffle some feathers, but if you have a provider who says, oh, well, according to the BMI chart, you, Mr. Six Foot Three, need to weigh 165 pounds to be considered a normal, healthy weight. And that, that's really just going to serve you the best long-term life that you can possibly live. Well, that's also garbage, right? There's nothing that says being at 180 with healthy blood work and the ability to do anything that you want, you're active. There's nothing to say that losing another 20 pounds is going to do anything else. In fact, you might even be able to say that it's going to be more harmful than good. Right now, the other piece of that, and like you, if we use, if we use you as the example, like you just talked about with the cholesterol and the, and the A1C, which is a measure of, of risk of diabetes, your BMI was great. You didn't need to lose weight. We, there were components of your diet we had to change, right? So one, one thing I'm, I say a lot is calories drive weight. The composition of those calories tend to drive health, disease, as well as performance whenever it looks at nutrition. Now, yes, if calories are in excess, that would obviously drive weight up and that could also drive disease. But for the most part, like if we use your example, um, if we use you as an example, your weight was healthy. So the number of calories that you ate in a day was fine. There was nothing wrong with those. It wasn't driving your weight up, but the composition of those calories was mainly pasta. <laughs> pasta right. Like that. I mean, that was about, that was about it. So you weren't active at the time. You're teaching a lot. So your weight was fine because the calories were controlled, but the inactivity combined with a really high carb intake spiked the a1c up and so you can't necessarily say that a bmi is going to be directly correlated with the disease in that type of situation does that make sense mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I it. yeah that was actually it's a funny story this is the other reason i love this because you're probably gonna get some insights into our relationship but we were dating yeah. right we were dating at the time just dating i was really i was still in the like try to impress you mode and all of that. And you asked me, you were like, well, is there anything that I do every day that is like a nutrition atrocity? Boy, I was pretty apprehensive. What really happened was <laughs> we were having dinner and he had cooked and uh, I never got full enough. And so every night we'd have dinner and every night I would drive home and I'd stop by McDonald's um, and get a McChicken because I was still so hungry. I just never, never had enough. and was too embarrassed to say that I wanted more food. So there you have it, little little insights into uh into the camp household so you know going back to the question as we wrap up the best way if you're trying to lose weight is to do nothing 
crazy and dramatic. It's to choose the foods that you like, choose them in the portion that causes you to be the weight that you want to be at and to be active regularly, right? Like, so these, these fad diets, and I've said it a hundred times, they all have the same thing in common. They are basically a easy way to reduce your calorie intake, right? Like take keto, don't eat carbs. Okay. Well, naturally, not only is that going to cut out things like, uh, you know, soda and potatoes, well, it's also going to cut out the butter, sour cream, bacon bits and cheese you used to put on the potato. So naturally it's going to reduce everyone's calorie intake without you having to track or anything like that. You have to find something that you can adhere to, because I will tell you this, the, the biggest thing is not the diet you follow. It's how consistent you are. So many people sabotage all of their weekly effort on the weekend as a reward for their good deeds during the week or on their cheat day and never see any progress because of how much they tend to overdo it. If you're having to find cheat days, you're doing it wrong. You should be able to eat anything you want at any time in the right dose and you can see your weight come down. So it's not just about the weight loss. It's also about management of that once you get it off. If you can't picture yourself doing something six months after you started, it's probably not for you and you're going to have to find something else. It's always the dose that makes the poison. There's no good and bad foods. Uh, There's only good and bad amounts. Something I think I've noticed that when people are following a fad diet or wanting to lose weight, they want it quick, which we know doesn't always happen. But um, exercise is, I'd say, rarely, honestly, taken into account. How much does that affect fat loss or weight loss? Because, you know, is a certain amount of exercise, does it balance it? Does it make it happen quicker? Is there something with metabolism that comes in? I mean, there's all these, you know, buzzwords or whatever, but um, I mean, when partnered with exercise, I would guess nutrition is even more successful way to drop fat, but how much, cause some people, gosh, I quit eating this and I quit eating this, but I just hate it. Or, you know, or I, I hate that I'm not losing weight or certain fat diets will say, you know, go with us. You don't have to exercise and you can lose weight, but is there, I mean, and how were we were created? Is there a way that exercise is designed to go with food to where it is more successful to be a healthy weight? First, we're just going to make this like topic three. So this is going to be episode three because it's, it's such a good question. So number one, I think even before diving into that, you have to understand that Weight loss aside, being active confers so many benefits to the body for long-term health, right? So even if you, even if you don't care about your weight, you don't, you don't, none of those things being active aside from following any sort of nutrition plan or trying to lose weight or anything along those lines has tremendous benefits for everything from cardiovascular health to pulmonary lung health, to brain health, to mental, it's, it's just unequivocally one of the best ways that you can move your body and prevent chronic disease. So if we go back to that question, you know, and we look at it through a weight loss context, yeah, there's tremendous benefit. And one of the things that we always talk about in the program is the levers of nutrition and activity, right? And so essentially what you're doing whenever you talk about losing weight is you are trying to create an energy deficit right? So you can create that entirely through nutrition by eating less calorie deficit. Yeah. Thank you. You can create that by simply eating less, right? There's people in the Valley to Peak program who do not exercise. One guy that I'm thinking of specifically, 
He owns his own um, heavy equipment business. He has literally zero time beyond running his business and eating. He does not exercise and he's lost 15 pounds, I think in four or five weeks. So nutrition can be a driver. There are other people who say, dude, I love my food. I, you can do anything you want to me by way of exercise, but don't touch my food. So if you maintain the same calorie intake and you choose to create the deficit through exercise, then you're basically pulling the lever of activity and leaving the lever of nutrition alone. And then there's a third way, which is you're pulling the lever of activity a little bit and you're pulling the lever of nutrition a little bit, creating a deficit through both of those. And if you create a sustained calorie deficit, the weight will inevitably come down, if that makes sense. But I think, you know, like when you go back to, if we jump back a little bit to the, um, to the exercise piece alone, were we designed to move? 100% yes. We were not designed to sit in a seat all day long, like we've been doing here. So there are so many, again, I don't want to be redundant, but so many benefits to being active that even if you have zero goal of weight loss, it would be tremendously beneficial to move every day as much as possible. So hopefully that helps answer your questions. We will um, be back with a third episode again. If you've got other questions that you want to ask us or things that you want us to cover uh, and put it on the docket, you can email us at info at v2pnutrition.com. Uh, you can see us on all the different social media platforms and uh, we'd be happy to take any questions. Thanks for listening.